On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Carrie, co-founder of Tandem Consulting. We discuss what professionals should do when creating a side gig and the major blockers to overcome, the key difference between being self-employed and running a business, and how to keep an open mind to continually grow. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Carrie, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Aiden. Good to be here. Carrie, you're the founder of Tandem Consulting, which provides mentorship as well as a platform and assistance for those that want to launch and grow their own side gig, giving them more time to diversify their income streams and build a foundational mindset. Tell me, what was it like for you growing up and what drew you to entrepreneurship? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I was an athlete my entire life. So I think there's like a deep competitor within me from birth, pretty much. Uh, my dad was a college football quarterback and was really my mentor in athletics and in, in a lot of ways life. He was an entrepreneur himself. He's built a successful business in my hometown. So not only was he a business owner, my uncles, my grandfather. So I think I was always around business ownership. I just never necessarily connected the dots that I would go into business myself. But as I got older and that deeper you know, need to achieve and compete kind of dissipated because I wasn't playing sports anymore. And then just the reality of getting a full-time job and what that was going to look like in terms of my lifestyle, I think everything just kind of came together and made me realize, hey, if I really want to perform and get paid for the value that I actually create, I really have to take a hard look at entrepreneurship. And so I started outside hustling, though. I wasn't an extreme business owner. I wasn't going to gut out a startup with my bare hands and take on a ton of debt. So what I did is more of a moderate approach by having a career. I was a teacher and really leveraged my evenings and weekends to build something up with a little bit more ease and less stress. So how did you find that process? You know, obviously not wanting to, like you said, not wanting to take on a lot of debt and trying to transition out of being a teacher. How did you find that process? Well, I worked really hard. I didn't treat my side hustle like a casual thing I was poking a stick at, right? And I see that be the challenge for a lot of people. They've got this side thing they're doing. They're really casual about scaling it. And so I was just really clear on how I was going to grow it. I actually accessed mentors and that was pretty much make or break for me because I didn't have a lot of business acumen or real business skills. I was willing to work hard and, and grow and learn, but I really needed that extra mindset and that helicopter view. So coaching really came into play and then working really hard. I tell people, if you're not investing $100,000 or half a million dollars into a traditional business, you better be ready to show up with a lot of sweat equity and hustle. That's your real lever, right? Yeah. You've you've got the two levers really. You've got the money and then you've got time. You've got to pull on one of them to to build a business, if not both. Exactly. Yep. So you mentioned mentoring as a as a key sort of uh, factor for you to, to grow your business. What was some of the best advice that you got from them early on? Quite a bit. So really an overhaul on my whole mindset. A lot of people put business ownership into one category. If we think about Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, he breaks it out into two very distinct entities, right? Small business, self-employment, and then there's big business, right? And so 
what I realized is my worst nightmare was self-employment <laughs> because in that entity, you're so specialized that your time and money are very intricately tied. And in so many ways, your business owns you. So I knew that I was going to have to start there, but the goal was how do I scale as efficiently and effectively to get to big business where I'm actually creating real leverage and I can buy back my time and it doesn't affect my income long-term. And so the, the methodologies all came from my, my mentors and really the mindset that I had to, to develop to get me there. I was also really foundational. And I think that's why so many side hustlers and even business owners fail is because they have a self-employment or even an employment mindset and they're trying to make it within a big business aspect. And it just, the thinking really has to change and shift if you're going to make that conversion successfully. Can you dive a little bit deeper into what a self-employed mindset sort of entails and then how you've sort of moved away from that into a um, to more of a say, big business where you said you can take back the time that you've invested just to, to yeah, give people the um, understand so, the difference between the two. A good example would be like if you're a real estate agent, right? You can be an agent and you can make good money and you can run your own schedule. You've technically got your own business. You're probably operating under someone else's umbrella, but you're a, you're a consultant in a lot of ways. So you're self-employed, it's small business. Nothing wrong with it. But a lot of people stop there. And what, what we teach people how to do in different environments than real estate, of course, though, is to build out their own agency and to really create what we call an independent franchise, where then you can actually help empower other people and really build a network or community of other business owners that you're empowering and truly create that leverage. So you're creating a lot more output that you need, than you could physically, personally put in, Right. And in the 21st century, that's how you really scale is either through employees or through consultants, right? Yeah, and, through, uh, through people, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really all about leverage and how to actually be completely duplicatable, which is big business, <laughs> versus small business where in so many ways you're unduplicatable. It's like if you're a, a dentist and you have your own practice and you want to go to Europe for three months with your family, your clients aren't going to have your technician do their root canals. They're just going to go find a different dentist, right? And so we just didn't want to anchor ourselves indefinitely in that quadrant. We we had to really make the push to truly scale and buy back our time. The time was way more important to us. There's millions of ways to make money in the world. It was a lot less about money and more about lifestyle for us than what our money could purchase. And, and time, we tell people it's like the most precious thing we were able to buy back in our life. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's one of those things that, that just doesn't replenish. No matter what you do, you can't, you can't get yourself more time or you can't get back the time that you've, um, you've sort of lost. Exactly. From what you've seen running Tandem Consulting, what are the major blockers for professionals who want to start a side hustle? Yeah. So some of the biggest ones is a lot of people still think, oh, I need a lot of money. I need a lot of capital or I need to take on debt or I need a big viable idea or product or service. When that's just not really the case, there's a lot of existing systems people can access that are already working, they're already successful, and they can really tap into a working system to scale. With sweat equity, like I said, it's it's not like you just create wealth because you accessed a good system. I mean, you have to bring a lot to the table still, but it just doesn't require the same capital or risk that maybe like more old school methodologies required. 
And so what's powerful is business has never been more accessible for people. But the biggest challenge that I see people face is they think it's going to be easy and it's not. Entrepreneurship is brutal. It can be really challenging. It's oftentimes an upward hill and the hill's very high. (laughs) And after you get past one hill, there's more hills. And so the biggest suggestions that I could make for people is to very much have a long-term mindset and to be thinking more endurance run versus a sprint. So more marathon mentality versus just a quick run. And unless somebody is really just looking to make some quick commissions, which is fine, but that's not really what we were looking to do in terms of outcomes. So we knew that we were going to have to be focused for long enough <laughs> to create the rewards. And you know, a lot of you've heard a lot of people say like most people overestimate what they're going to create in year one, but they vastly underestimate what five, 10 years of focused effort can create. And so we just kept the big, the big long-term vision very much at the forefront and didn't get dissuaded or distracted by a lot of the other noise in society. I can think of a lot of examples, but even just the ways we would invest our money or time Many people in our sphere of influence didn't understand our choices or our decisions around a lot of that. So we had to develop pretty thick skin so that we were unfazed by some of that judgment or criticism or even just like confusion sometimes. So I actually think it's EQ that really challenges people most within entrepreneurship. And and that's why we wholeheartedly believe in accessing a coach and really a supportive community to help people toughen up <laughs> so that they can actually make it through the gauntlet of entrepreneurship. And it's, it's so worth it. It's so, so worth it. But we don't like to undercut the amount of work and intensity that it also entails just because we want people to have really realistic expectations on what the journey is going to be about, right? For sure, you know, nothing worth having comes easy. And like you said, having that long-term mindset can definitely keep you on track. How did you find your vision sort of kept you on track and able to move past this criticism or judgment from others? Yeah, like I said, I I believe that the association, the people, you know, I upgraded my association a lot. I got around other business owners, especially people that were operating in my industries that were really, really successful and like a hundred steps ahead of me. And so that really kept my morale and my belief really high because the minute somebody loses belief, whether it's belief about their company or belief like self-belief, the battle's over in so many ways. And so just really working to keep that confidence high, as well as very clearly identifying what the heck I was working towards, right? And so developing a very crystal clear path to get to the vision so that I actually believed that the hard work I was doing was actually going to get me closer to the goal, right? Yeah, having that, that those steps in place can make, you know, something that seems insurmountable, you know, that massive hill a lot easier to, um, or at least a lot more believable to be able to achieve if you've got milestones and, and direction and steps to go through to, mm-hmm. you know, on order to, to meet, yeah, to go towards it and to, um, to make progress towards it. So it's so important okay. to, you've got that long term. Yeah, then there's all the small victories in between, right? And so mm. I think that sometimes things that uh, high-performing type A personalities overlook, and I'm all about celebrating and noting the small wins along the way, because I think that's really important for people's belief and morale to just recognize, hey, we're making traction, we're getting closer, we're progressing, right? How do you celebrate the small wins? Anything in particular you do? Is it just reflecting of where you've been or what you've achieved? Or is there something specific that you'd like to do when you've um, you've sort of made a, a small victory? 
Yeah, no, it's a good question. Uh, have a little dance party. No, just kidding. But um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've done all sorts of cool stuff with trips or maybe purchases that we've made or just fun activities. I think even down to just like personal meditation on the on the process, like actually just realizing, hey, look how far I've come. I would even say it's not even about like tangible business growth sometimes as it is about like the interpersonal growth that is less easy to chart. But I can even tell you like situations 10 years ago that I would have handled in a very emotional based way. You know, when I face those things now, I'm very aware that, hey, I've grown a lot and that's pretty special. And that's actually worth a lot more than, you know, money to me. And just being aware that, hey, there's a lot of progress and evolution that's happened. So I'd say it's a wide range of personal recognition to actually going out and doing really cool celebratory things. Yeah, it's great that you put that spectrum of ways to sort of celebrate. And um, interesting Mm -hmm. point you made about, you know, the situations that you're currently dealing with now would have rattled you, you know, five years ago. So it's interesting <laughs> yeah. to, see, to have that perspective as well and to, and to just reflect on, on how far you have come from and how far you have grown. And for those listening, it's, I guess it's a worthwhile exercise to do as well. And the beauty of you know, going on this entrepreneurship journey as well, you know, the amount of personal growth that you'll have in addition to um, challenges that you'll overcome is great. Yeah, um, I tell people that our financial success is almost just more of a byproduct of all the personal work that we've done compounded over 14 years. <laughs> and and business, really, the space of entrepreneurship is probably the number one personal development and leadership platform out there. So I think it's a really, really beautiful synergy of making financial strides, but also impacting ourselves in a pretty deep and profound way that not a lot of environments can duplicate, actually. No, it's a a different beast entirely. Like I said, there's there's nothing really else like it, like the best life course you can do in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to know what would be your advice for professionals who are raising a family and still need a stable income from their job, but those that want to transition out to having a side hustle and ultimately sort of being in control of their future? Yeah, so we did it in a pretty specific way, Aiden. A lot of people will start a side hustle and maybe once they've replaced like 40 to 60% of their income, they'll switch from their job to their side hustle full-time. What we did was a bit more extreme where we actually waited till our side hustle completely replaced both of our incomes and then some because we didn't want our lifestyle to dip, right? And so that might not be the approach everybody takes, but I think have a really good base in place, especially if you have a family, because man, kids cost money, right? (laughs) So make sure there's, there's really good revenue coming through and net profit coming through before you make that transition, as well as get some really good guidance from an outside source of someone who's had a lot of success in your industry and can maybe shed light on making that type of, of jump. I think that's a huge aspect is like having that blessing from an outside source that we really trust and has the expertise and food on the tree was like our insurance policy in so many ways. And then the last thing I would say is have a very clear plan on how to actually grow and scale. Because I, I talk to a lot of small business owners and, and it, it feels like some of them have a plan to scale and others are a little bit more casual or haphazard in that process. And it's almost like a, we'll figure it out as we go type thing. And, you know, especially with having a family, um, we were just very deliberate and intentional and 
wanted to just make sure that our lifestyle didn't have to dip to make that conversion. So what, whatever approach people take, just make sure there's a ton of clarity around it. Mm, I love how you said trying to be, you have to have a clear plan as soon as you make that transition because just because you have more time doesn't mean you'll be able to replicate the intensity that you had just before. Exactly. Um, it's, yep. it's like going on holidays and thinking you'll achieve all these things. And just <laughs> just because you've got more time, it doesn't mean you've um, right. you'll be able to do. Often having less time is is a blessing in disguise because it forces you to to cut away what's not useful. I can agree with that a hundred ten percent, Aiden. And I would say that was actually the biggest thing. Like when I started to have kids six years ago, and we have a six year old and a two year old, and despite the fact that my time got very cut because I was enjoying all the time with them, I just worked smarter. And it was actually a really revealing phase for me on just how how much I was doing that was not overly efficient prior to having kids. And that I just really became a lot more creative with my time and focused a lot more on the most important things every day. So I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And I guess from my experience, for those that are looking to transition out, sometimes it's useful to have you know maybe two weeks or four weeks off as a starting point. And to see how that goes as a tester before you sort of cut ties to your stable employment and move on. Yeah, I think just have a good strategy in place, right? And I mean, worst case scenario, people can go get another job, right? I mean, it's not like the worst leap to take, but I think we were always just very practical. And especially coaching other people now, we were very practical and logical on how we coach people and making that transition. And even even a better option, I would say for a lot of people, especially with you know families and kids, is work to go part-time in your job. Like if someone's a consultant or they work in healthcare, there's a lot of options in certain professions to just cut down hours. And so it can make it a little bit more of a smooth transition versus like super black or white and binary, right? Yeah, that's an important distinction just because it's not a binary choice. And, you know, in this day and age, especially with, you know, flexible working being more um, more commonplace and more accepted by employers, it's okay. And to make that transition to part-time and then, you know, from part-time then to, to running your side gig full-time. Absolutely. Carrie, um, adventure is quite a big part of what you do and sort of a grounding force in how you operate. How do you use adventure in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I I like the question. So fun and adventure are genuinely really deep values of mine. Like they're non-negotiable. And I think that's, you know, as I graduated college and got a full-time job, I think that was what was the, the biggest reality check for me is just how much of that spontaneity and fun and adventure was lost when I was working, you know, for somebody else's vision and company. And so I think that's what gave me the biggest burn to work really hard in my 20s so that I could scale out of my job in my mid-20s and really be able to like instill that value in everything that I do under my own banner and umbrella. And so you know, we do a fair amount of traveling. We do quite a bit of public speaking. We fly all over the country and even internationally. We were actually in Australia. We spoke at the Melbourne Convention Center last year, which was really cool. And we said, hey, we're going to be all the way in Australia anyways, let's take a few weeks, we'll travel, we'll go to New Zealand for a couple weeks. And just instilling that opportunity and option to like call the shots every day and really just go for it in life, I think is what enables me to fulfill that deeper need to really like explore an adventure, right? So traveling is a huge hot button of mine. And I I would say that having kids just opens up your life to a lot of natural fun anyways. So that's been a really neat piece of the puzzle is really building building our businesses with young children now too. 
yeah, I guess you've, you've got that sort of dynamic environment now, but still having adventure at the core of what you do is, is great to hear and great to hear that you're still exploring and still finding new places to, uh, to check out. Yeah, it's, it's important. And, you know, we're always challenging ourselves with new projects and things that we actually just started our first nonprofit this year. So Tandem Consulting, we've had in place now, but we actually started Tandem Giving. And so just finding new ways to challenge and grow ourselves and learn new skills. I think that's why entrepreneurship is so compelling because the learning curve literally never ends. And so for anyone looking to just keep leveling up, I think just keep growing, challenging yourself and putting yourself in new environments. So then things never become stale and you're never really coasting in the game of life. One of the biggest regrets sometimes is just coasting or realizing, you know, say the last year or six months, if you haven't made a lot of progress to sort of reflect back on, it can be quite eye-opening. But like mm-hmm. I said, to put yourself into into new environments and continually challenge yourself is the way to sort of keep growing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be extreme either. I mean, maybe someone's not compelled to start a nonprofit, but like go take a salsa dancing class over the weekend or just like something unique. Go to a different networking event by yourself that you've never been to do with new people. I mean, there's all sorts of small scale ways we can keep that fire alive in us, right? And keep us on the edge of our competency in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything big. It can be, um, can be small and just doing small things over time. And just, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a different, walking a different way to work or, you know, getting a different bus route or whatever yeah. it is. It can be, it can be as simple as that. Exactly. Yeah. Carrie, I'm curious, what, are, what legacy would you like to leave behind? In terms of legacy, I think with our nonprofit, that's, that's a huge motivator there is we talk a lot about ongoing income with our businesses, but the, then the question was, well, how do we create ongoing giving, right? Residual giving. And so with our nonprofit, the goal is to actually scale that into an endowment fund, a large endowment fund, so that it's actually the interest occurring on the fund that actually filters into different charities for children in need. So I guess my challenge to everybody is like, what's your vision and how can you scale it up a couple more layers deep so that it can have more of that like ongoing impact? With our coaching, I think just in general, kind of creating that ripple effect. We don't really coach people unless they have a really deep desire to pay it forward to other people because we do want our mindset and our our expertise to perpetuate to other people. You know, we just feel so grateful and indebted to our mentors for everything they passed on to us because we wouldn't be remotely where we are today if it weren't for them. So it's just really in our hearts that the people we pass on our investments into are really keen on the ripple effect and continuing to empower other people around the world. So that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. The the ripple effect. You don't know how much of an impact you can have. Mm -hmm. Especially with the internet these days, you Mm. just never know who's hearing your message. And that's, that's just pretty, pretty potent. So yeah, that's it. That's it. Sometimes, you know, it can seem that it's an empty space, but um, but it's not. At least in my experience, you know, receiving messages from people out of the blue is is super grateful for that. So Yeah, it also is a good reminder for us as consumers of a lot of content to make sure you pop in that direct message to people and let them know you're impacted by them or express gratitude because it just goes so far. Because like you said, the internet sometimes does feel like this void or abyss and you're never really sure who's receiving on the other end, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. But it's um, sort of being consistent and, and staying um, and being in there for the long term. Yeah, for sure. Carrie, a question I'd like to ask all guests, and I'd like to get your um, your view on it, is what's your definition of the grind? The grind? Being in the pursuit. 
And so it doesn't even have to be through business or entrepreneurship. I think just like the grind of like, what the heck is your pursuit, right? And I I always tell people, enjoy the grind. That's sort of my tagline when I close out my content. And it's just being joyful in the pursuit of whatever you're, you're working to create, right? And I think a lot of people can be so heavy in the grind <laughs> and so in their heads that they miss all the beautiful opportunities to actually step back and like really enjoy the process. And I think if we want to lead joyful lives, grinding and really pursuing things is a huge part of life. So, you know, be happy, be joyful, be light in that engagement and also stay focused and stay steady. Because a lot of people, they do the work, they do the work to really build a foundation for their business, but they don't actually stick around long enough to capture the rewards of the fruits of their labor, right? A lot of people quit too early. So I would say in reference to the grind, it's like doing something for long enough to actually capture the full benefit. I love that. Yeah, sticking out for the long term and and to continue pushing, but also enjoying, you know, where you are in the moment and enjoying the process of growth. Yeah, for sure. That's what people gravitate towards anyways, right? And if you're, you know, building a business, in essence, you're building a community of some sort. And if you want people to be attracted to your vision and your mission, that lightness and that joyfulness is really what rallies people around you and your vision. So I think it's it's ultra important. Oh, definitely, definitely, for sure. Gary, where can people find more about you and Tandem Consultant? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. Um, We are, Craig and I, my husband, Craig Klickner and myself, we're both very active on LinkedIn, uh, also on Instagram, on Facebook. But I would say LinkedIn is actually one of the best places to reach out to us. We do a lot of content creation on there and, you know, we're always happy to support people and whatever ways that we can. And we're just very big cheerleaders of anybody who's really out looking to make it happen for themselves. It's it's not always an easy road, but it is 110% worth it. And just a lot of respect for people that are engaging in their, their own pursuit. Great. I'll include a link in the show notes to your uh, LinkedIn profile where people can connect with you further and um, stay connected. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Grind. Please share the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. This lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like the content. It'd be a huge help and I'd be really, really grateful if you could. Until next time.